Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, given that so many people are worried about the unknown consequences of coronavirus and the fact that it's certainly escalated in the last couple of weeks, I thought it was timely for me to share my thoughts and advice. Um, And just like in any crisis, uh, it's important to not let fear or emotion drive your response. And as the saying goes, a steady hand on the tiller is the best approach when navigating any storm. Now, I acknowledge that the coronavirus has caused significant emotional and health distress to many people around the world. And of course, I fully empathise and understand that this, with the situation, and I certainly don't seek to downplay its impact, particularly personal impact. My entire commentary in this podcast today is all about the financial concerns and considerations, not the health concerns. So please, if I say it's not a big deal, I'm not talking about the health impact uh, for some people that have... Um, devastatingly lost their lives, what I'm really talking about is um, its impact to your personal financial position over the long run. Okay, so the first uh, bit of advice I have for you is that we've heard it all before. I was glued to uh, the television during 2008 and 2009 uh, in the midst of the GFC because I was uh, I was held a lot of shares at that particular point in time, um, and it was really the first market correction that I experienced as an adult, uh, or certainly an adult as a fin- and a financial planner at the same time. Um, and I would hear things like financial markets are closed, all banks are going bust. Uh, I remember, I perfectly vividly remember uh, someone saying, the way we conduct global business has changed forever. It will never be the same again. Property markets will take decades to recover. All these alarmist predictions and commentary and so forth, and it certainly created a lot of panic um, and I could certainly understand why people were saying that during the GFC, but it, at the end of the day, it was proven to be all wrong. You know, everything got back to normal eventually. Uh, sure, a few banks, uh, Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers, uh, went bust. But in the main, the banking sector survived. I mean, it needed help, uh, government bailouts and so forth, but it, but it did survive. You know, the human race is incredibly resilient and innovative. Uh, We've faced many, many challenges and prevailed, and this coronavirus situation will be no difference. Of course, there'll be loss of life, which is, as I said, incredibly devastating. But the financial impact to the vast majority of people in the long run, just like with the GFC, won't be that significant. It's significant in the short term, sure, but in the long term, it's unlikely to create a, a, a problem. You know, and as the coronavirus risk passes, I'm sure Australians will get back uh, to spending and try and get the economy back to normal levels as quick as possible. And I anticipate that people will probably support the sectors and industries that have been impacted the most, like hospitality and tourism. And we saw that sort of community mindedness throughout the um, bushfire events earlier this year and late last year. And I think that same community mindedness will. Um, service really well once this coronavirus uh, risk passes and whether that takes one month or a couple of months who knows but it is a very short-term uh, impact 
and our lives are full of predictions and usually the most extreme ones get the most amount of airtime. So just don't get sucked into it. Uh, is the, and the best approach is really to, to really restrict your consumption of mainstream media, in my opinion. Um, and worrying has never made any, any problem uh, better. The next bit of advice is, uh, and this is just not specific to the coronavirus situation, but this is really um, a, a good bit of advice to implement at any time, and that is short-term thinking creates anxiety. It always has. You know, worried about what the property market or share market will do um, is, a, is, a, uh, is a cause for concern when markets are high and a cause for concerns when markets are very volatile. But short-term thinking uh, essentially promotes you to either be greedy or fearful, too greedy or too fearful, and neither are good emotions or handy emotions or useful emotions when making financial decisions. Instead, a far superior, and I think you'll find a more comfortable approach, is to play the long game. And consider the action, what actions you can take today that will um, better your financial position in 5, 10 or 15 years' time. You know, play that long game. Don't worry about what's going to happen over the next couple of months. It really just doesn't matter. What really matters is that you're making really sound, fundamentally um, uh, correct financial decisions that are really focused on generating better long-term outcomes. And that'll help you um, avoid most of the mistakes that uh, a lot of people make that can be very, very costly. And realize that sometimes doing nothing is actually the most intelligent thing to do. So when I talk about what actions do you need to take as a result of the coronavirus, it's very possible that the action that you need to take is do absolutely nothing. As I said, a steady hand on the tiller, just keep in the right direction, uh, know where you're heading, and don't change course just because we're going through a storm. Navigate the storm and uh, stay, stay on track. Um, the impact to, uh, of coronavirus on the economy and share markets is temporary, not permanent. And this is something that it's very important for us to remember. You know, whether it takes six months, a year or, or two years to recover, only time will tell. But history tells us that the impact of these sorts of events on long-term investment returns, um, the, the impact is uh, small. The impact of your decisions and actions will generate most of the returns or, or, or losses depending on your situation. So your actions and decisions are far more important than the actual event of uh, coronavirus. And, um, and we've seen that in the six months after the market bottomed out during the GFC, the US market rose 40%. Uh, I think the US and Aussie market rose about 40% over a six-month period. So the market will get oversold typically and then people will realise how, hang on, it's been oversold, it's not as bad as we first thought, and the market will come back. Now, that I'm not suggesting that you need to take that information and be greedy and dump a whole lot of market uh, money in the market uh, tomorrow. We'll get to that. That's not what I'm saying. But my point is that um, in the low point of the cycle, and I'm not suggesting we're there yet either, uh, it seems... Uh, very bad and it seems like there's just no way out but really in the long run uh, returns will be fine and if you're wondering what's happening in the share market uh, probably a, a, the most sobering indication is to walk down the local uh, an aisle of your local supermarket and I think that's a really good example of what's going on in share markets it's just hysteria mass hysteria mass concern and mainly 
complete uncertainty and the markets do not like uncertainty and will typically then price in worst case scenario. Um, as, I, as I record this podcast, the Aussie market since 21 February uh, is down about 27% and international and US markets are down between 19 and 20% over that period of time. Um, so it's a significant correction, but really that doesn't tell the story because it's really about the volatility. It's about the fact that the Aussie market is up 10% one day and drops 10% almost the, ne- the next day. It's that level of volatility that causes newspaper headlines and makes people really worried about what markets are doing. If we have a look at the volatility index in Australia, which has ranged between 10 and 20% over the past decade, uh, this week it peaked to 55% which is similar levels to uh, what we experienced during the GFC. So volatility is you know, three to four times uh, what it normally is, and that's the thing that causes people to panic and worry about it. Volatility in the long run won't have any impact on your returns. Uh, volatility in the short run makes people feel uncomfortable, which is why I'm saying play the long game. And if you're worried about your super... Uh, the best advice is don't. In fact, don't look at the balance. Um, unless you're planning on retiring in the next couple of months, the balance of your super is completely irrelevant. Um, if you're a superannuation investor, then by definition, you're a long-term investor. And really, if you weren't looking at your balance regularly when markets were booming, why would you start now? <laughs> you know, the, So the best thing is just to close your eyes and know that we'll ride through the storm and don't worry about how volatile your super balance is at the moment. Markets uh, always rise, markets always fall. We'll get through this. Of course, if your super has suffered more than the market or is doing particularly poorly, uh, then it's good to go back to the fundamentals. And really, as a superannuation investor, you cannot control markets. There's only three things that you can control that you should absolutely spend time on optimising. The first one is the type of fund you use, whether it's the industry retail, self-managed super fund, um, or or a wrap platform. The second one is the investment option or the methodology that you employ uh, that you use to invest those monies. So in an industry fund, whether you've got balanced or high growth or um, cash, for example, whether you, uh, if you're on a wrap platform or a self-managed super fund, whether you buy direct shares or use active fund management or employ a rules-based approach. So those sorts of things. And third, the fees that you pay. They're the three things that any superannuation investor can control 100% of the time. What you can't control is markets. But if you get those three things right over long term, you'll generate uh, good, good returns. So looking at your balance regularly only creates anxiety and worrying about a balance, no matter how hard you worry about it, it won't increase, it won't make it go up. Uh, you won't have any impact on it. Another lesson we can take away from uh, this uh, this event is the importance of having cash flow buffers. Um, I typically like my clients to have cash savings equal to at least six to 12 months worth of living expenses. But depending on their financial position, sometimes even more than that. You know, life has a habit of throwing curveballs at us. Uh, therefore, it's important that we ensure that we've got adequate adequate financial buffers in place 
to write out any temporary changes in income and expenses. And also it's important to have personal risk protection insurances like life, TPD and income protection uh, in place as well. You know, hopefully the coronavirus won't really impact or have a material impact in on most people's cash flow and expenses. Um, but really we can take this as a learning experience. That is that unpredictable events can occur and if you don't have the right financial strategies and mitigants in place, then they can cause pretty severe financial consequences. So cash flow buffer, kind of in a way, plan for the worst, hope for the best is, is kind of the best approach. Uh, if you're superannuation investments, another thing, if you're a share market investor, uh, that, that, would, that could either be uh, through superannuation or outside of superannuation, and your portfolio has done worse than the market. So as I said, the market in Australia has fallen 27%, international 19 to 20% as I, um, as I record this podcast because, you know, these things can change very quickly in a highly volatile market. Um, I was looking at a, a client's portfolio, a, a brand new client that had been using a really reputable international stockbroker over the last uh, five to 10 years. Um, and I was looking at some of his holdings and that, that have fallen uh, by around about, or more than, sorry, 50% in value. Um, and, you know, that's a problem. That's a problem with direct share investing is you've got too much concentration risk, which is a drag on the overall portfolio's performance. Um, by the way, looking at his overall prop, uh, portfolio's performance over the last five years has been pretty ordinary anyway. So not only has it been ordinary performance over the more recent time, even when the market um, hits some some volatility, uh, he's even uh, he's affected to a even greater extent. So it's a, a good kind of wake up call, if you like, to have a look at how your portfolio has weathered this storm. How has it performed? Has it only fallen by the market uh, amount, or even hopefully even less, depending on your asset allocation? Um, if it's done worse than what the overall market has done, typically that's an indication that the methodology that you're employing, the investment methodology you're employing is is flawed. Um, and whilst you might not want to fix that now while the market is, you know, at its kind of lowish point or may possibly even low point, um, it's something that you might want to add to your to-do list uh, to address uh, once the the coronavirus panic and volatility uh, uh disperses a little bit. Uh, in terms of the property market, I want to um, provide some commentary in respect to that. Um, some of my clients are um, either considering selling or divesting of some property this year uh, and or some clients are, are actually in the process of looking for investment grade investment property. So what do you do in that space? Um, I think if you're uh, selling property, it's it's going to be difficult well, at this stage, there's not a lot of evidence. It's it's sort of patchy evidence of the coronavirus's impact on the on the property market. Uh, I've had feedback that you know, particularly in the higher um, price sector, you know, multi million dollar properties are suffering a, a, a notable fall in demand and buyer demand interest and so forth. Um, but lower end properties uh, that are closer to median uh, value prices uh, seem to be so far. Uh, weathering the storm a little bit better, so no material reduction in buyer demand. Um, that said, I think in times of high uncertainty, uh, buyer, typically both buyers and vendors uh, withdraw from the market and transaction volumes fall. 
And we saw that during the GFC. Uh, we've seen that in in lots of time where there's uncertainty. People's um, uh, typical reaction is just to delay making any decisions or or, or transactions. And so I think um, it'll have a negative Im- impact on the property market uh, from a transaction volume perspective. Uh, whether we'll start seeing uh, people selling property uh, for less than its intrinsic value, I'm not really sure. I think. Uh, it'll be more a case of discretionary vendors just pulling their properties off the market and not doing anything. Um, so if you're looking at selling a property, obviously it depends on location and price point to some degree. Um, but if my feeling is if you can list the property um, without giving rise to too much cost, so advertising or uh, tenant vacancy and so forth, then there's probably no harm in trying it, particularly given you're probably going to compete with fewer properties. Um, but I wouldn't be adjusting my price expectations too much uh, in that I think given really low interest rates and even lower interest rates uh, likely to be in the future, um, I think in the longer term, the next two or three years, property will still do relatively well, Um, but it might take six months or so to get over this coronavirus impact. So if that's the case uh, and you're not getting enough interest or enough interest at the price that you're comfortable with, uh, then you might be best served by pulling the property off the market, uh, putting a tenant in it and trying in 6 to 12 months' time. What about if you're looking at buying a property? Um, well, of course, if uh, volumes fall, then there's going to be fewer properties for sale and then less to choose from, so it might be difficult um, to find the right asset. However, I definitely don't think people should stop looking Sometimes other people's fear works in your favour. Now, let me tell you a story that in 2008, I was contemplating purchasing a house in a Melbourne blue chip suburb of Paran in a in a location called, um, it's in Bowen Street in Paran. Um, the vendors were asking for 1.6, which was above my budget at the time. And really, I remember the morning of the auction, I was sort of contemplating not going um, I remember it because it was on the 1st of October uh, 2008 and two weeks prior to that Lehman Brothers had collapsed. So really the market was in turmoil. There was no no good news in the media, kind of like it is today. Um, everyone thought the, uh, the world was going to hell in a handbasket and I was thinking to myself, why do I even bother going? Um, uh, you know, I, I don't even think I'm in the market for this property in terms of price point. But I thought, stuff it, I'll, um, I'll go along and let's see what happens. Uh, anyway, I ended up buying the property. I was the only bidder and ended up buying the property for $1.2 million. Uh, that property is worth well over $3 million today. So sometimes the best time to buy property is when everyone else is frightened to do so. And um, uh, if I was in the market for a property at the moment, and I have been looking at a couple of properties, uh it's it's kind of a good time to stay in the market and uh, you don't necessarily, uh, you know, I wouldn't be out there um, definitely looking for a bargain, but, but sometimes if you're out there, bargains uh, can appear. Um, what about the share market? Should you invest more in the share market and if so, when? Uh, well, if you've got some spare cash that which you had previously earmarked for investment in the share market, then now might be the t- right time to do that. However, I would caution you against um, trying to find some cash, including borrowing, borrowing it, um, or complete and completely changing your investment strategy just to take advantage of the lower stock market levels. 
uh, I would regard that as very much short-term thinking, uh, almost speculative, uh, and it's not an advisable approach. However, if you're sitting on some cash uh, and you always were planning on investing that cash, uh, then starting that investment process uh, today uh, certainly wouldn't be a bad idea, in my opinion. Uh, the best way to do that is to invest it in small regular tranches. Realise that there's probably going to be heightened volatility over the next month or so, so don't feel like you need to rush in and, and invest it all tomorrow. Um, but just invest it in relatively small tranches over a period of time. If the market drops further, invest more uh, and just wait for that, uh, wait for that volatility. Um, you must approach to the, these investment decisions, however, with a long-term lens. So my advice is to not try and pick stocks or sectors that you think are the most impacted by uh, coronavirus. Um, what you really want to do is uh, take a really diversified approach. Uh, so because we really don't know what the impact will be to the economy in the short and long term and also bankruptcies and these sorts of things in certain sectors will be high um, and so what we want to do is really diversify sectors and and uh, our exposure to different uh, parts of the economy and I would be skewing uh, my investments to markets that uh, that that um, have the, the lowest sort of valuations at the moment so the the most amount of upside. So really stick to low-cost index funds, uh, use various rules-based methodologies. So typically market cap indexing might not be the best approach. Uh, you you want to use some sort of value-based approach that skews your investments towards companies with lower debt levels, um, higher cash flow, uh, stronger profitability, these sorts of metrics, um, and uh, do that uh, in a really diversified manner. In Australia, that mainly means kind of the mid-cap market, focusing on that rather than getting exposure um, to, to, say, the financial services sector. The banks have been absolutely smashed. But that's because um, mostly people are concerned about uh, a pro prolonged recession and its impact on um, debts, doubtful debts within um, it, within the banks. Uh, now, arguably, uh, they've been oversold, but I wouldn't be taking um, taking massive bets in that regard. Uh, go diversified um, and uh, be very careful and prudent and obviously get some advice uh, when making such investments. Um, there's word that the banks will soon require uh, applicants, loan applicants, to disclose how much toilet paper they have uh, in the asset section of their loan application. The idea is that banks feel that a reasonable level of toilet paper stock indicates financial prudence and good planning, whereas too much uh, toilet roll stock suggests that the applicant might be completely irrational. Now, of course, I'm kidding, right? My point is, let's maintain our sense of humour. You know, some of the behaviour out there, human behaviour, can be completely irrational at times, and we need to put it all in context. You know, I think we can get very fearful, and if we listen to too much negative commentary... Um, we, we might put ourselves in a situation where we end up making financial decisions that we might regret in the future. Uh, so markets will rise, markets will fall. It's not the end of the world. Um, uh, this won't have a long-term impact on your financial position if you make and continue to make prudently, fundamentally sound investment decisions. Stay safe, stay calm, and until next week, bye for now.